One, two, three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores how Bob Jones University empowers individuals to reach their highest potential for God's glory. Welcome to our episode of Highest Potential. I'm so glad you joined us today for our podcast. I'm here today with Sarah Rumpf. And Sarah, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. How's the semester going? Going well. Flying by. You ready to graduate? So ready. So ready. (laughs) Well, uh, we're ready for consistently warm weather. That too. Yeah, we've had uh, really nice weather and then it's been pretty rainy and cold the last few days. Today was really rough. Today was a weird day. It was cold, but now the sun's coming out and so we'll take it. Well, listen, uh, I want to I want to hear about our our musical that we had last week, uh, A Tale of Two Cities. Uh, just kind of give me your 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 feelings about it. Yeah. So A Tale of Two Cities is a favorite one of my performances, as well as I read the book growing up and uh, I watched a movie adaption of it. So seeing it in musical form was so cool because I already understood the story and the actors and actresses, it's so good. Yeah, it was it was a pretty uh it was it was pretty fantastic. That's it like, was fantastic. I felt like I was on Broadway. It was awesome. So we had six Broadway performers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we we got that we had Broadway performers, but tell us about the cast. Yeah, the cast the was all Bob Jones students, which is really cool. And they sounded good. They sounded so good. And some of the singers, they sounded like the professionals. They really did. Yeah, I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't tell the difference. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about the orchestra and how it worked. Yeah, so the orchestra wasn't in the pit this time um, in Rhoda Haver. It was, um, they were streaming it in from another building. Well, actually it was from the sound stage, which is like 500 feet away. Okay. Yeah. And then they had on the monitors, you could see the actual um, orchestra playing along. It was cool. It was really cool. And it sounded like they were right there. It did. Yeah. So what was a favorite part of the performance for you? What were the highlights? I really like the ending of the play. Um, that's when I definitely like teared up a little bit, just seeing the sacrifice of a friend. So which, which songs made you cry? Hmm. The ending? Probably the ending, yeah. How about you? Did you cry at all? Uh, I, I can't say that I cried. I, I would say, now there was a girl behind me. I think she cried the whole thing. <laughs> uh, anything I had somebody happen, I would hear a gasp and, and, and you know, uh, but, you know, I think, I think the music itself was very, very moving. Music yeah. is emotional. And yeah. whether it's that, whether it's the 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 intensity of the of the mm-hmm. one lady who sang and she was so angry, you know, you yes, could tell she yeah. was bitter, uh, versus the uh, uh, the 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 Darnay singer, yes, yeah. and he could sing, yeah, and uh, and then of course the guy that who gave his life for the other one, yes, yeah. and for all of us who are Christians, we obviously see the message of redemption, absolutely, yeah, at the end. yeah, it was just cool for me to see. A popular book and uh, like a classic be turned into music and yeah. to still be able to communicate the message. It was really. So you've been here now uh, for these last four years and you've experienced a lot of fine arts events. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's 
probably easy as any for any student to sort of take it for, uh, you know, take advantage of it. I mean, take it for granted. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, what do you see as the value of emphasizing fine arts in the life of a student? Yeah, I think it's really cool that Bob Jones offers that, especially as somebody who really enjoys theater and musicals and uh, I think my appreciation for even like the opera, like I'm not a huge opera person, but um, I've sat through it and I, I see the value of it. I can walk away and be like, okay, that may, maybe I'm not going to listen to that in my free time, but I can see the value of like, the work that these performers put in and um, even the history of different performances is really interesting. So when you look back over your your time here at the university, what were what what has been your favorite artist series performance? Yeah, I would say A Tale of Two Cities is my favorite. Um, close seconds though are is definitely Living Gallery, which is coming up. Coming up soon. So uh, have you been involved in any of the artist series performances? So I haven't, but I have to say every single year I audition for Living Gallery. And every year I'm rejected because I'm too short. Oh, no. So every year I'm like, I really want to be involved in this, but I can't. So So did you try this year? I did, yep. And didn't work. Didn't work. And last year they the stage people reached out to me and they were like, we have your measurements from the past three years. Uh, would you still be interested in this? And I was like, absolutely. I would love to be a part of this. Just because I love Living Gallery. I just right. think it's so, such a cool performance. And yep. I didn't hear back. So. I haven't heard back yet. I haven't heard back. Yeah. It seems like the call is always for guys. Yeah. They always want, you know, six, two guys. Big like, guys. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think, um, you know, when the school was started under Dr. Bob Jones Sr. I, and then, of course, really under Dr. Bob Jones Jr., they just had a vision uh, for fine arts that it was really the development of the person mm -hmm. and, and learning to appreciate art. When I was a little boy growing up, I my mother used to drag me to art museums because she was an artist, and I, I can't say that I appreciated it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go outside and play football. <laughs> but I looking back on it, it's a valuable it's a valuable part of the experience Absolutely, of coming yeah. to Bob Jones. And it's distinctly Bob Jones because a lot of other universities don't offer this. It is distinctly Bob Jones, mm -hmm. especially to be able to have a real Broadway quality musical yeah. is just such such a high for our students. Yeah. Well, Dr. Darren Lawson is going to be with us today. He serves as the Dean of the School of Fine Arts and Communication. He also oversees all of our, our artist series productions. And so I invited him to my office just to get behind the scenes look at the production and in uh, all that the fine arts is doing here at Bob Jones. So I hope you'll enjoy this podcast. Well, we are so excited today to have Dr. Darren Lawson with us. Darren, thanks for being here. Good to be here. Uh, we just finished an incredible artist series with The Tale of Two Cities. And uh, the feedback from the student body was tremendous. When we introduced everybody in chapel last mm -hmm. week, they were just hooting and hollering and cheering. And it was just, I'm sure it was a, a blessing to you. It was. It was. So we want to talk about... Um, the tale of two cities, but we also want to talk about artist series and and really in some ways, uh, the emphasis we have here on the university uh, at the university on culture, and of course you're kind of our resident expert on that. And the mantle was passed down to you from from our historic icons like Dr. Gustafson. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Uh, let me begin with a question. What What is the process behind uh, how artist series performances are chosen and how was the decision made to do Tale of Two Cities? Well, it kind of comes down to two different types of programs we do. We have those that uh, groups that come from the outside. And uh, every January, I head up to New York City to the uh, APAP conference and all of the agents from all over the world assemble for about a week up in wow. New York. And uh, so you need to invite me there before I retire. At least come once. come yes. anytime. You're welcome to come join us. Um, and so w uh, they'll have uh, presentations on who's traveling that year. I see. And so it's like big vendor halls and you kind of go from table to table and they're not all good fits for what we do here. Sure. But I, I try to make contact with anyone who is. And so I'll come back with a stack full of potential artist series and then I'll go through and start negotiating with the um, agents about when they're traveling, uh, all of that. So that's kind of one group. And then the other would be our on-campus uh, artist series, like the play in the fall. We do a musical or opera in the spring, of course, Living Gallery. So, right. so those I'm generally working about two years out mm -hmm. because we need that much time for planning. Right. Tale Two Cities um, started for me back in 2008 when I saw it on Broadway. Mm. Now, at the time, we weren't doing musicals. We were doing all operas in the spring. Uh, but I I loved it so much that I ordered a copy of the vocal score, and I've been sitting on that for 13 years. Wow. So uh, so when we started doing musicals, I was like, you know, maybe it's time to revisit this. I re-listened to it, looked at the score. And in this case, I actually decided I'd reach out to the composer. Um, so I was on LinkedIn one night, and she happened to have a profile there. I just reached out to her and said, hey, we're thinking about doing your musical. Well, immediately she wrote back and she was like, I I would love for you to do this. She goes, I'm hardly ever on LinkedIn. I just happened to be on right when you did a message. And we started a, a dialogue back and forth. And she was just uh, hugely helpful in, in getting us, getting it mounted here at BJU. So I'm not, uh, you know, uh, most everybody's familiar with the story. Not not many are as familiar mm -hmm. with the musical. How mm -hmm. long was it on Broadway? Do you know? A fairly short time because 2008 was a big year oh, yeah. for the recession. Oh, yeah. And the, the Broadway shows had a harder time staying open. So I happened to just be up there during the, the narrow window that wow. it, uh, was on Broadway and um, was completely bowled away because of the, the story. The, the way folks were moved last week when we did it, was how I felt back in 2008. Right, right. What was your, um, obviously we had some some hindrances simply because of COVID and we couldn't get the full crowd in. We couldn't have the public come in like we would have wanted. What was your, um, but but in the end, how would you assess this musical? Well, I, um, yeah, we had some limitations, but a friend of mine is performing in um, Phantom of the Opera in Asia. Well, they never shut down during COVID. So I reached out to him and said, you know, what, what is it that you're doing in the Asian theaters that we need to be doing over here? Well, he gave me a rundown of everything that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so I just lifted as much of that as I could. And I thought, well, there is a way to mount this musical and be safe. Right. So safety of the audience and safety of the cast, crew, and orchestra was really paramount. So we implemented these. Uh, the main thing was testing. Right. And we went in every week. Right. And if... Someone uh, tested positive on Monday. They went into isolation right away. They did right. not come to rehearsal. 
And consequently, we stayed safe. Yeah. And we were able to sing. Uh, and in the end, the guest artist said, wow, this is, you know, our industry could take a few lessons from what you all did. Right. So uh, how, let me ask you this. How big was this production compared to previous artist series performances? Well, for our musicals, this has been the biggest one. We had about 70 in the cast. Titanic had about 65. Um, Little Women was much smaller than that. Now you look at our operas. Some of our operas are huge. The, right. the biggest one we do is Aida, and that had 217 people wow. in it. But for a musical... 70 is very large. Very large. Even Broadway doesn't have a cast that large. It's it's too expensive to maintain 70 people. But we had so much interest here at BJ that sure. I was like, I think I'm going to double the the cast, double the chorus, yeah, I mean, have yeah. soldiers, uh, lots of different things. Yeah. And, and it was a good good, good decision. And it seemed like the, uh, the stage crew did a great job. Phenomenal. It, I will say that in my four, nearly 40 years here, it was... One of the most complex sets that we've ever had. There were some moving pieces on that There stage. were a lot. And they figured out exactly how many they needed. We had about 20 stage crew wow. moving it all in the back. And uh, um, they came through that was and true. just... And that was one of the things that co folks commented on. They said, we were so intrigued by all of the moving parts. Oh, it so amazing. it never got boring for us. It was amazing. And so I've got the stage crew to thank for that. Well, it was it was awesome. Um, let me I know this. I know this is a really important question because a lot of people would not know this. But what were some of the hurdles that had to be overcome to make the production a reality? Well, I mean, I, we talked about COVID. And right. Some of yeah. Um, I think one of the things was the orchestra. We, we had I had a discussion with Dr. Moore, who conducts the orchestra, and he said, Darren, I can put this many people in our traditional orchestra pit. And it was going to be really thin numbers. And I knew it wasn't going to sound Broadway-like. Right. And I, I think Michael came to me with a suggestion, well, what if we put them on the soundstage and we can have more people, spread them out so that they're playing safely. And that's what we ended up doing. And again, our audio folks, our stage folks, they figured out how. Sound. Everybody. Yeah. It, it was because we had to, um, because they were 500 feet away, we had to figure out how Michael's beat was just exactly where it should be. Oh, yeah. And sometimes there's a delay when it comes through the video system. But they got it worked out and it was it was pretty amazing. Well, just to let our audience know. So we have uh, Rotohaver Auditorium seats uh, over 2,600 people, huge uh, Broadway theater side stage. And then in the back of the building behind the stage is all of our cinema department. And you have to go downstairs, and then there is a there's a a stage where they do uh, sh uh, film shots and cinema. Mm -hmm. The sound the 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 sound stage is that what we call it? Yep. Yeah, sound stage. Yep. And that's where the orchestra sat, mm -hmm. and then they played based on what they could see on the video. They could see the stage, so it was that was a big deal. We purchased a couple of. Big screen TVs, like 70 inch, and we mounted yeah. those on the balcony so that the entire cast could see Dr. Moore conducting. And then we had cameras on the cast so that he could see what was happening on stage. Right. 
And it was a, a logistical challenge, but boy, did, it, did our folks rise. So you it. had to overcome the sound issue and, mm-hmm. the, and the, uh, the the orchestra, and then of course the COVID. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I, I think those were the biggest. Of course, the uh, moving parts of uh, we already mentioned that were, were incredible. Yeah, just a lot of practice, a lot of. Um, outside of rehearsals, getting the stage crew together. And I would go over and play cues for them. And they would see, get, try to get the timing down a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, we came up with a, a creative way to, to move you the had sets. Some, yeah, I'm sure you had some close calls. Uh, we did. <laughs> uh, we did. Uh, but we, we, you know, with pieces that big, you just kind oh, of yeah. have to learn to trust each other, work together. Yeah. I think that was one of the best things about it was these – 18 to 22 year old students are taking away a really good life skill about teamwork oh, yeah. and problem solving. So, so the skills that they took away from this are, are, will go with them the rest of their lives. Tell us about the guest performers. Cause I'm, I'm sure uh, there are people that are listening that really don't realize the kind of people that come here to work with our students. So when I'm up in New York in January for this other conference that I mentioned earlier, I generally will set up um, audition, an afternoon of doing auditions. So in December, we'll put word out to all of the agents up in New York that, you know, Darren's going to be in town in January on this day. Uh, If you have any singers who would like to audition for A Tale of Two Cities, uh, please let us know. And they will start setting up appointments. And I hear a different singer every seven minutes. Wow. Uh, block out th- about three hours in the afternoon and just wow. one after the other. And they'll give me their bios, their headshots. Uh, they'll they'll come and do their very best. And that's- This is like uh, The Voice or something uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that, I yeah, guess. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's just how they make their living. And, um, it, and, and you can really- tell right away if someone's going to be a great fit. So right. like Laura McCulloch came and and she, I could just tell right away she was the perfect Madame Defarge. And we had great chemistry in, in the just the seven minutes that we interacted. And I thought she's a great fit for us. Uh, so four of the guest artists had never been here before. And then two had been. So I didn't have them audition, but I kind of had Tony Mowat in mind for Dr. Manette since he was here for Titanic. Okay, okay. And, uh, and then Patrick Dunn was a replacement. He was a, uh, not last minute, but he, uh, he came a little later in the process. But uh, so that's how we get them here. And uh, I work with the agents and we give them all the information about when they need to arrive. And they love performing here. Um, so these are full-fledged Broadway singers. Yeah, these are professionals in the industry. And... Um, Patrick Dunn was, um, he's actually on hiatus right now because of COVID, but he's traveling with the Les Mis uh, production that's traveling all around. And he's playing the lead in that, Jean Valjean. And um, it, it just, it's great to have him. And that was a case where COVID worked in our favor because he was off the road and available. Right. So they came to sing. Um, and they had not been on the stage, stages for almost a year. Yeah. So this was a treat for them to, to come back oh, yeah. to work. They were loving life. They were. So uh, this is something I think that's uh, really important because this is a part of the education of Bob Jones, what, really what makes BJU unique. But how important was the role of the students in this production? Oh, I could not have done it without them. Um, How many in the, they were, orchestra was all students. All students. I think we had one adjunct uh, teacher uh, playing one instrument that 
you know, we Out sometimes how many, how many in the 35, so 34 <laughs> of, of them. And I would say probably 40 to 45 were uh, students from, from the, the cast. On the, on the cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they auditioned last spring and um, uh, they we did. We and had to cancel uh, the live in, in person because of COVID. Then you had your stage crew. Yeah, we had our stage crew. I mean, it, it was just it was massive. So probably at least a hundred. Oh, totally. E students easily, were involved easily. In and uh, you know, the, the one who sang the Sydney Carton understudy. And what I mean by understudy is the guest artists don't arrive until about two and a half weeks ahead of time. So until they get here, we have our students uh, perform what we call understudy roles. Right. And the, the the guy who who did the understudy for Sidney Carton is a sophomore mm. and just uh, sang the socks off in the audition. And he was so excited when I wrote him and said, hey, I want you to be uh, be a part of this and do the understudy. One thing we started with the musicals a couple of years ago for opera, the understudy sang their part and then they kind of disappeared. You didn't see them again. But I've been recasting the understudy so that they don't leave the cast. Right. So the understudy for Sidney Carton ended up playing Gaspard in the production. So while he was singing both roles, it was a little crazy. Now, who is that? That was Andrew. Barr. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Andrew, Andrew was job. with me yesterday in church. So. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a fine young man. And what I loved about it was to see how much the students developed in the process. Mm -hmm. We started back in September. And by the end of the process in March, their voices had developed, their acting skills had improved. Um, and, and for the students, it doesn't matter what their major is. If you're going to be a preacher, being in that production oh, yeah. is going to make you more confident. It's oh, going to yeah. polish your, your communication skills. Absolutely. All of those things. So I think that's why, why we do what we do here. Yeah, I grew up as a child actor from the time I was 10 to the time I was 15. Hmm. And I actually look back and think that that was probably the foundation for me when I actually started preaching when I was 20, 19 and 20 years old. Hmm. And actually, before I ever came to be a student at Bob Jones, I was doing revival meetings. But I would say it wasn't it wasn't because I was I learned somehow how to preach. I actually learned how to act on stage. Yeah, yeah. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. The notes that I got from the student afterwards, I keep all of those. And they were so appreciative of the experience. Yeah, it's great. And I, I love that. So, you know, the artist series <clears throat> format at Bob Jones University has is, is been a part of the history of the school. Mm -hmm. And so it really kind of it, it comes down to the core of what makes Bob Jones University unique in its educational process. So tell us why it's important that, that BJU has artist series. Well, let me tell you about it through the lens of the guest artists who come in. When they look at it, they're amazed. And I tell them, I say, we have a little bit of forced culture here. We require that our students attend. We give them free tickets. And it's part of their educational experience. So when they're, when they, by the time they've graduated, they will have seen two grand operas, two large-scale musicals, four Shakespearean plays. Uh, eight to 10 professional performing groups on the outside. And what I tell the students is, is you may not appreciate that until 10 years from now. And you will realize that that polish is what set you apart from colleagues from other institutions. Mm -hmm. They also got a good accounting degree or a business degree sure. or a nursing degree. But that extra exposure to the arts polishes you in a way that you don't truly appreciate while mm -hmm. you're here. 
And then later folks will write back and say, boy, I miss, I miss those programs that we did. I bet, I bet that's so true. So, um, we're, we're looking towards, uh, the future of artists, artist series. And one of the things, um, I, I've just sensed in the last, especially the last few years, um, the, the artist series are a highlight, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yes, it's, it's, it's forced. You know, a lady asked me one time, how do you get all these students to come to chapel? I said, simple. We tell them they have to come. It's a part <laughs> of being right. here. Yeah. Uh, but, but they, but, but I also sense a real desire to be at all the artist series. They really want to be there. They really enjoy them. So tell us about uh, what's what we're looking at in the future. Well, next year, uh, we're going to be doing a brand new production of Midsummer Night's Dream, which okay. is going to be a favorite. It's a comedy. We haven't done it in a while. Uh, we're, we're creating a new set, costume designs for all of that. So that's I think folks will really enjoy that. Then in the spring, uh, because we did musical this year, we'll do opera next year okay. and we're doing Samson and Delilah. All right. And that, uh, based on when we did it in 2010, is a real audience favorite because uh, I, I tell folks we literally and figuratively bring the house down at the end of Samson. So uh, it's, it's a pretty dramatic, huge cast, 160 people. Uh, and I've already had many of the cast from uh, Tale of Two Cities say, hey, Dr. Lawson, when can I audition for Samson and Delilah? So year? when will you do uh, auditions? Probably April for our students. Okay. And because we- This April? Yeah, this April. Wow. So we put word out to all the teachers and the students okay. to here's the parts that we're looking for. And because I wasn't able to get to New York this year because of COVID, we did digital auditions okay. for- the guest artists who come from the outside. Okay. So I'm sitting on those right now, and Dr. Moore and I are going through those, and we're we're settling in on who's going to be our probably three or four guest artists for next year. And of course, we'll have Lemming Gallery, and uh, I'm really excited in the fall as well that we're going to be doing a very special concert featuring the music of Lee Holdridge. Lee is a Christian in Hollywood. He's written for numerous television shows, movies. And uh, that program is going to be conducted by another well-known conductor out there, Richard Kaufman. Mm. So uh, the students, I think, are going to absolutely love. And what what's that show. what's the music? Oh, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of everything. It, it could be um, maybe a theme that he wrote in uh, a so movie. So it's all, all his writings. Yeah, it's all his writing. Lee okay. Holdridge, and he's going to be here. So uh, it's sort of like what we did with uh, John Williams. Yeah, yeah, music. Yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, we, we get the added benefit of both Richard and Lee are Christians in the industry, and they're excited. They're, they're saying, we, we want to meet with your students. We want to talk so to So Lee us. will be here. Yeah, he'll be here. Wow. Yeah. So both Lee and, awesome. and Richard. So that's, uh, so anyway, that's just, and I'm still settling in on a couple more of them, but there's well, always- we, we missed the Canadian brass. We did, and um, we're having some issues with getting them scheduled, but, okay. but we definitely want to have them yeah. back in the future. Uh, but with with the crossing of Canada into the U.S. became the, an issue with COVID. Yeah. yeah so it, it uh, so we're working on it, uh, right. trying to get them back because they're a favorite among right. our student body as well. Well, Dr. Lawson, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for what you're doing here at the university and our fine arts department. Our music program is is an incredible program, particularly for a Christian young person who really wants to invest their life in these kinds of things. And whether it's music education or cinema or drama or theater production, um, our, our students do a fantastic job. And thank you for being the leader of that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me today.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Oh,